seems we're live on YouTube. Hey, everybody, welcome to Divi Chat, and we're sorry we're late. It's this guy's fault. <laughs> he, it's my fault. I don't know hey, what to say. Hey, everybody, welcome to Divi Chat. Hey, hang oh, on. Sorry. <laughs> Now y'all see what I have to deal with all the time. Uh, today we're going to talk about the best and worst design, development, client nightmares, WordPress jobs. I don't know if that got it right, but maybe one of you guys can clear it up. But before we dive off into today's topic, uh, let's go around and say hi to everybody. Ladies first. Hi, Leslie. Hi. Um, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl and Her Mac, and um, I am down here in San Antonio, Texas, and you can find me at agirlandhermac.design. Awesome. Hi, Sarah. Hi. That's some weird bit of hair there. Uh, my name is Sarah Oates from Intuit Web Studios. You can catch me at intuit.com.au and Intuit Web on the socials. I'm never on Twitter, though. Don't. I might get a <laughs> notification. <if you're> awesome. <laughs> If you're like me, you check it once every six months, and then I start like, a word camp. Go <laughs> <laughs> to word camp, and then I like tweet twice, and then yeah, I like. Right. I do that with Instagram. So, <laughs> hey, Tim. Hey everybody, Tim Streifler here, and you can find me online at timstreifler.com, divilife.com, and wpgears.com. Boom! Glad you're and here. And also, you can find me at joshhall.co. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of joshhall.co, I'm Josh. I'm coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, and you can find me at joshhall.co. In Transit Studios is my web design business, and pretty much it's either those two places or Facebook. Uh, that's about as enough as I can keep up with right now. Fantastic. Glad everybody's here. And my name is David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios, Divi Space, and WP Gears. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on the podcast, and I've missed everybody, and I've missed chatting with the world about all things Divi. Things are finally settling down, so I'm happy about that. But I do apologize for being late today. Uh, he forgot, y'all. He forgot. Myself, I drove to another town to work with some of our team, and I checked into my hotel, as you can see in the background, and I fell asleep for a small <laughs> hour nap. I almost fell asleep. I need a nap right now. <laughs> so, please forgive me. It's none of these find folks' fault. It's all my fault. Um, so Josh, you brought up the topic. So why don't you kind of explain to us what your thinking was and thought process behind this topic, and, and then we'll dive into it. Sure. Yeah, I was thinking it would be kind of cool to touch on uh, maybe some of our good experiences that we've had so far in web design, and then also some bad ones, because I feel like some of the best lessons can be taught and learn by hearing from people's horror stories. Now, I, I certainly don't want to throw any clients under the bus with this, so I'm sure we're going to be uh, try try to keep uh, the names hidden and the company's right. uh, dramatizations purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe we need this disclaimer on here, but uh, no, I mean, you know, I just there's a lot of things that I've learned that Josh eight years ago would have loved to have heard and to avoid. So uh, I, I suppose we could certainly talk about client horror stories. But then, but then also I was thinking maybe just some things that we've learned in projects, whether it was processes or like for me, I know a lot of projects have grown legs and I've ended up paying clients because I spent so many hours on the project. So um, that's kind of what I was thinking with this. I'm not sure what you guys are feeling, but yeah, I just, I think you can learn a lot from some of the best and worst design experiences for sure. 
Josh, I'm sorry. I was chatting in the chat and I missed everything you said. What's the <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We're going to talk about the best and worst experiences with uh, Aspen Grove Studios and Diddy. <laughs> I'm just playing. I realized as you were talking that I'm going to have to be really, really aware and mute my mic every time because I don't have headphones because I think there may be some feedback with you guys talking and stuff. And if there is, just let me know. All right. Who wants to go first? Who wants to throw the first client under the bus? <laughs> I heard you saying not to do that, but let's well, continue. I don't, I, I don't have a client to throw under the bus. But just going off what what Josh kind of said, um, I think the biggest thing I've learned, I've I've taken away from any experience, whether it's good or bad, is to update your contract after every time because something always happens where you didn't really think it would, or something, you know, you didn't take something into account. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the years is how to um, keep my contract updated. And you, you just think about things like, oh, yeah, I guess I should put that in there, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't have an experience yet I want to share. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, no, my contract doesn't say no refunds. Like, I should probably make that clear. I can't get those hours back. And I didn't, uh... <laughs> that's a good point. Well, and even to that to that uh, idea, Leslie, as far as like something in your contract. I know one thing, so I mentioned, I hinted around projects growing legs, which is probably something that all of us web designers experience to where you start a project and you think it's going to be a 10 page brochure style site build. And then halfway through the client's like, hey, we want to add a calendar with events. And then they're like, oh, and we want this to integrate with a payment system so we can just take credit credit cards. And then we want to add like a little membership <laughs> site, you know, part to the site. So if you can just throw that in there, that'd be great. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. it may sound that easy and all these tools look super simple, but there's a lot that goes in there. So I struggle with being too nice a lot of times to where for years I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll just try to, I'll try to do what I can within our budget and what we agreed upon. And I was very, uh, I, I was kind of a pushover in a lot of ways, which was good in, in gaining good clients, getting a lot of clients and, and people pleasing. But then I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay. I've been just working way too many hours. These projects are growing legs. So in regards to like updating a contract and things like that, I think putting deliverables is super, super important per project. That way they know here's what's exactly agreed upon. I mean, if somebody wants to add like a Facebook widget or something like that, I'm not going to get too nitpicky with that. But if it comes to somebody wanting to add events and membership or something like that, that's where it's like, okay, we can do that, but it's going to be a whole nother project. Yeah, or it's going to be like a whole, whole can of worms. Yeah, yeah. Because that's led to a lot of my most worst design experiences by far. I think it's not uncommon when you're first starting out to be a bit like that, partly because, you know, you're trying to get clients and you want to keep people happy. And in some ways, like you're really reliant on those clients. Like if you lose them, then you're kind of done for. So in the beginning, I think there's a level of give and take with that where you have to work out is this unreasonable to just chuck this in there? Like you say, like adding a Facebook widget or maybe you quoted for four social media icons, but they want five, <laughs> you know, like maybe that's not that big a deal and you don't need to be a stickler on some of those things when you're first starting out. But um, as you go further along, I think there becomes a point where you need to start holding a firmer line because you know that you can get other clients you know that you're big enough that it's okay and it's not going to be the end of the world if you lose a client I think once you get to that first point of either having to fire a client or which I'm sure we'll get to or having to like or them firing you 
and it's okay and in some ways you're relieved that you got fired like until you get to that <laughs> point I think that's where it, it sometimes you overgive and you know it's not ideal but in some ways that's kind of just part of it and sometimes you need to be firm with your contract but as you get along there's this point where all of a sudden you can get really really firm um, with everything right from the beginning and I think um, at that point for me that's what I started to do proper proposals and that probably was what saved me at that point so instead of just doing a quote up in zero which is my finance package you could be using whatever like 17 hats or um, fresh books or whatever it is um, and so I just used to do like a quote and it would just have like kind of what was included, but it wasn't really, really detailed. And so at that point, that's when I switched over to a full proposal where I'd have kind of a description of what they have, what they're looking for, and then went into detail about this is what we're suggesting. And so then putting in absolutely everything into that, like going into detail about what they're going to receive. And by doing that, even though then my contract is kind of just staying the same and slightly modifying it's in big detail in their proposal what they're going to get and so if they go outside that that's when I can say well let's finish off what we've said and then we'll do a new stage or else do you want me to re-quote at this point to add in your big fancy membership events whatever (laughs) whatever yeah 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 because like case in point oh go ahead Tim sorry no no no, you go ahead I was just going to say, case in point, with like a, a <laughs> with a project growing legs, a couple years ago, I did two websites for this company who had like their main site and then a site for their staff or like their agents. And then they got to the point where we were almost wrapped up with those two where they wanted to add a couple landing pages. And then there were basically different landing page style sites, but there was going to be like two or three of them. And they just wanted to do that real quick. And they kind of thought it was all encompassing. And I had to be firm by saying that, you know, I'll do this one landing page, but we're going to add more. It's going to be a lot more work and it's going to take, it's going to be a whole different separate quote. And they were a little, they pushed back on that a little bit. And um, that was an experience where it went okay. I mean, the projects got done and everything, but it was one of those where, yeah, I think they just thought that adding a whole different site with a different URL and all, they just didn't understand what was involved with that. And it got yeah. a little, it got a little tricky towards the end there. Yeah. I guess in where you're doing multiple sites that can get a little tricky. Yeah, especially with the one client and they want to stick with you, but then they're not happy with what you're quoting for the second one. I think sometimes it it really is about the client because sometimes a client can be halfway through and then they can say, oh, can we just add like an events calendar? And in their mind, it really isn't a very big deal. But if you can sit down with them and say, hey, actually, this is probably going to take me about 10 hours and I quote my, my these are good times to talk hourly rate, I, I personally think, because I can say something like, this is going to take me about 10 hours, this is my hourly rate, so this is how much extra this is going to cost you. I'm happy to, like, quote it at the hourly rate. Like, I'm happy to just to take as long as it takes and, you know, you can pay that. But for a lot of clients, they'll go, oh, I had no idea that it was such a big thing. Actually, I don't really need it. Or... Right oh wow that's a lot of work yeah that's fine like I'm happy to pay that like for I would say 80% of the clients they just don't understand and they're not trying to be douchebags by saying hey can you just add this thing in they literally don't understand well they're not all trying to be douchebags some are no (laughs) some are are, right ones who aren't like they literally don't understand and then once they understand they can either make the choice of 
oh, I didn't, I don't really need it. It's not really that important. It just was a nice to have. Or they can say, well, yeah, I really value that. And it's worth the extra thousand bucks. I'm happy to pay that. That's fine. Um, so I think at that point, that's really important because if you don't say that, then they still think it wasn't a big deal. So if you go ahead and do it, which who hasn't done that, like right in the beginning, like who hasn't gone and spent an extra 10 hours for like, because they asked me to, so I just did. Um, <laughs> but they still don't know that you spent 10 hours. They still in their mind think that that was a half an hour add-on that, you know, they don't realise. So yeah. even, if, even if you don't charge them more, which I'm not suggesting, but even if you don't charge them more, you still need to let them know that that, is going to take an extra 10 hours for you to achieve that thing. Yeah. yeah and then they're like, thanks, Sarah, it took you two days to do this half an hour work. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I've been waiting for this thing. Yeah. 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 Basically what we're talking about is scope creep. I don't think anyone actually said the the name no. scope creep, but um, you know, when the, the scope of the project creeps open and as Josh described, it grows legs, which I, I love that definition. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. Um, mm -hmm. And I used to kind of look at that as a negative thing where like they ask for something and then to kind of panic and then I have to be like, well, like, you know, it's, we didn't uh, budget for that and it's going to cost extra. And it was almost like this kind of like awkward thing. And then once I like kind of changed the perspective and viewed it more as an opportunity not as like, oh, it's going to cost more. So then in their minds, it's like this negative thing, but like spin it as a positive, like, hey, that's a really good idea. I, I, I think that's going to definitely help you achieve your goals with what you guys are trying to do. And, you know, with the website and blah, 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 it is going to cost extra because it is about 20 hours of work, but I can do it. Just give me the thumbs up and what we'll, we'll do that for you. And like really spin it as like a positive thing. Then it's like, oh, well, then like, that's an awesome upsell opportunity. Um, and then it's not like, because scope creep has this like negative like uh tone to it and like people kind of like you know freak out about it but it like if you position it right really then it's actually like an opportunity i think scoped creep i mean our example is a little bit extreme right like for the most part most clients aren't gonna then just ask for events and membership on top of a five-page website and just and you're just gonna be fine with it like for the <laughs> most part you're gonna at some point say this isn't okay but i think scope creep often comes in the form of Oh, I just had like an extra page. Like it, it's exactly like the other page, but it's just this, you know, and it's more kind of, it's a little morphy. Like it's a little kind of, yeah, it's really, those are the kinds of things I've said yes to for sure. It's only going to take me an extra yeah. hour. And so you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna, it's just an extra hour. Like it's not, I've still budgeted like, you know, cause my jobs aren't based on hourly, right? Like I've made an estimation and I know I've still got that hour available. So I'll just, but the problem is when 10 of those come. And so it's it's just one thing here and then it's like one thing here and then it's one thing here. And then, well, you've already done three of them. So then at that point, you're like, oh, crap, I already said I'd add an extra page. And so that's when I think that's more when scope creep can tend right. to like slip in in all the little crevices. Yeah. And that's why it's called scope creep because it just kind of creeps open. Otherwise it would be like scope, like tear down the Jump doors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even still, I, the way I've heard best to deal with scope creep is that if one comes in and you, you said, oh yeah, I'll just add that extra page. And then another one comes, that's the point where you just have to go Oh, I did that. Yes, I did do that one extra page for you for free. Um, but so, you know, that wasn't actually included in our original invoice. Any extra pages, I'm going to need to charge extra for that. I, you know, I did that one, but 
from here on in. And so then at that point, you like hold right onto it. Or if you're strong enough right in the beginning, you can say to them, I, I'm happy to do that one extra page. You know, I can, I've probably got enough room in my hours to fit this one page. However, in the future, if you want any extra pages, we're going to have to quote extra for that. So try and just yeah, and I feel like up early. Yeah, most, most clients are pretty cool with that, but there are, which kind of goes in the client personality, which I was going to kind of segue into some of my worst client experiences, but uh-huh. certain personalities just run over you. Like I know yeah. I've worked with some, I'm not going to say any certain <laughs> industries, but there are certain personality types that I try mm-hmm. to kind of weed out now because I just don't want to take them off. I found that a lot of clients in that regard, um, if, they're, if they're either one very dominant and they don't seem to take your uh, ideas very well and they just have like one idea in their mind, but then they also don't know how to execute it or they don't really have a clear goal of what they want. I always try to either smoke them out. And by that, I mean, charge a lot or do like a massive proposal, kind of weed them out. Um, Or I'll just say that, listen, I don't think we'll be a best fit. And an example of that is um, the kind of, yeah, the kind of people that I really just do not enjoy working with and try to avoid are the people who say, well, I I know what I want, but I'll know it when I see it, or I don't, I'll know what I want when I see it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, anyone who's been a designer or anything like that, all day, dude. Like, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's on us as web designers to try to get the project goals out front in the beginning. But that's led to some of my worst design experiences because I've done websites to where we'll go over different designs. All like, they've had five or six different designs before we settled on one, and then it was just a nightmare. Um, now, thank goodness, now I only design the front page and the sub page usually, and then get feedback before doing you know, 10 or 20 pages like I used to back in the day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that kind of clients, yeah, I don't know if you guys have an any, entire site. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys have any uh, personality types that make for really terrible clients, but for me, some of the worst jobs I've had have been a dominant person who is just not receptive to, to your input. And then people who are just, you know, they just, they don't know what they want until they see it. And that is the dangerous game, my friend. <laughs> okay, I'm tired of looking pretty over here. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Come on, David, share something. Share something. The kind of clients that I don't like, Josh, are the ones that I gotta chase for money. They're no- <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think everybody's brought up some really really good points, and I know that quite a few of our listeners and stuff are, are new to web design or they're doing side hustles and stuff. And I want to kind of give some shed some positive light on this stuff. If you can take a lot of what these people have already said, Josh, Leslie, Sarah, Tim, and use that advice and be strong. Uh, Sarah's used the word strong quite a bit. When you're brand new in web design and you're working with your first clients, it's terrifying. You don't want to let them down. It's hard to ask for more money if they go out of scope. At least for me, it was. And I- I'll say it was probably... I was probably a good two years into it before I was able to just, you know, not worry about what, you know, they were going to say or do or how they were going to react from my response of no, that's not in the contract because. Yeah. I think two years is pretty good. Yeah. I I don't know if it was, (laughs) uh, if it was just, you know, irrational on my fears or what on my part, but it just, it's just how it was. And the good news is, is that, you get to a point where after you do web design for a while, you start, like Josh alluded to, start picking and choosing the clients that you want to work with. But when you're first doing it, 
you know, you don't know what those clients are. You're you're just happy to get anybody, and unfortunately, you get nightmare clients, and, <laughs> and, and they're a pain in the butt. Um, and eventually, you'll either get just really really tired of it, and not take them on anymore, or you'll get strong and start charging for the work. I mean, and that's okay. I think oh. I think a lot of it when you're first starting out is that you're starting out with cheap clients, right? Like you're starting out with people who couldn't afford to go to an agency. So they came to the little freelancer who's starting, who said, I'll bring out my portfolio and now I'll give it to you for half price. Yes, I did do that. So I started with like, you know, brand new businesses who didn't know how much stuff was worth, who didn't, who weren't willing to invest a lot of money, who didn't have a lot of money to invest. That's fine, right? Like I was desperate for the work and I really wanted to set up my portfolio and I didn't care that it took me a gazillion hours to achieve what they had because I had a really good website at the end to put on my portfolio and I was really proud of it. So in those cases for me, I didn't feel like it was scope creep. I just felt like I was producing a really great website to put on my portfolio. The problem with those clients is that they're still maintenance clients now. And so some of those clients are still really, really, really cheap. And so even though they're now maintenance clients, some of them still feel like as my maintenance prices have increased, that that is unjustified and they do not want to pay that much money anymore. Or if I need to do some things for them, they push back on, well, how much time is that going to take? What's that going to cost me? Oh, I used to get a 25% discount. I only get a 20% discount now. You know, those kind of things. They're still the cheap clients. And so I think at some point you have to be ready to say, that's fine, but that's my price now. Um, and just let them go and let them be on their way. The problem is when you're first starting out, that's who you're going to get. Like realistically, you're going to get the cheap people to start. Well, maybe you're not, but I did. I got the cheap people to start with and they in the long term are going to be harder to work with. But yes, over time you can be a little bit more choosy. My client, like people, general people that I are my red alerts or like my warning flags um, are, oh, now I've forgotten the name of them, um, like consultants. So for me, a consultant does not know how to say what they do. They have no idea what they do. They just know that what they do is very effective and they earn lots of money being a consultant but what I've learned I've got a trick for you is if they get a content writer they make a great website but without Mm. a content writer I I will not take a consultant on without a content writer so one of my um, horror stories was a while ago maybe three years ago I had someone come to me they said they had a content writer but they did not Um, and they didn't really know what they wanted they didn't really have the content they couldn't really explain what they did they sent me all these like pdfs of all different and then I had to come up with a design and then nothing really evolved from there so like I got a deposit but then it kind of just stagnated and I was kind of relying on this job moving forward and it never really moved forward because he didn't have the content and he wasn't really sure what he was doing. And I was saying to him, Hey, maybe you should go see a content writer. And he was saying, Oh, I'm seeing one, but he wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't like, anyway, that was the biggest red flag for me. And so from that point on, I, anytime a consultant comes to me, I say to them, yes, I'm happy to work with you. 
And I'm pretty honest with them. In my experience, consultants find it really hard to explain what they do. So even if you just want to have a content writer review your work, but I would highly recommend you have a content writer write your content, um, then I am happy to work with you. But I will not work with a consultant without a content writer now because <laughs> that was a horrible, and in the end we parted ways, and I had relied on I was on just going to ask what happened, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't end up having to refund any money, but I certainly didn't collect quite the amount of work that I had done. So I had done, I got the deposit, and then I had done the design, and then we parted ways at that point. But it was like we parted ways months down the track. And he oh, actually yeah. got me to put up a splash page for his website, which I had been hosting, like this splash page for two mm. years. <laughs> and then at some point I went back to him and I said, is this going to happen? Like, I'm going to need to take it offline. Like, wow. Sarah, have you thought of, of hiring the content writer yourself and then just having that be included in the total fee of the website? That way they have no choice. I just choice. don't want to do it, to be honest. Like, I don't want all the backwards and forwards. And I have a really good content writer that I've worked with. And so I'm happy to just fully pass it off to him. And he spends a lot of time with them, helping them nut through exactly how it works. So I just want him to directly relate to them. And even if they end up going somewhere else, I don't care, to be honest, because... I, I just want to know that all the content is there and they know the exact direction before we even start. I don't even want to be touching the website until they know exactly what is their stance about who they are and what they do because the murky waters, it means I can't design the homepage. Like I just, I can't do it. And like Josh said, they don't really love it. They're like, oh, I'm not really sure it conveys me, but it's not actually about my design. It's the fact that, they have no idea how to explain who they are and what they do. So they need to it's spend interesting. time with someone else. Yeah. So along those lines, as far as a client changing their minds and everything, opposite to Sarah, what Sarah's example there, I worked, this was years ago. It was actually a, a client I was white labeling for. So it was a video production company that was doing video and they hosted, they did the website design and I designed the site. Well, this was a big budget client. They had a huge, it was like a, I think it was a cemetery and it was a huge, huge project. And um, they had a huge budget to do all their media and everything. Well, halfway through, they had a staff change. And a lot of my worst design experiences have been when a project starts and then there's like turnover or there's too many cooks in the kitchen or there's somebody new that comes in and you don't know them. They don't know you. They have a whole different vision. And that's what happened here. And it was about a process of, I think, seven or eight months in the pro project ended up just fizzling out because this new person just didn't do well with the people I were, was working with. And it was an absolute nightmare. Like we spent hours and hours and hours on stuff that just didn't go anywhere because they had a staff change turnover. And then this new person was just not on board with the original plan. So yeah. I've had that happen in, in a different a variety of levels, whether it's small or whether it's bigger, but um, you know, opposite to Sarah's example, some of the bigger clients, though they have a bigger budget, I know we've talked about before how that can, that can sometimes lead to a, a trying experiences too, because if they're going to pay you a lot of money, they're going to expect that ROI and they might uh, expect you to be, you know, at their beck and call, they're paying for it. But then, yeah, the staff turnover thing has been a big issue for me too. And that's a tricky one because it would be coming partway through. And so at that point, it's not that easy to actually just get out of it. Like if you've got the termination right. of the kitchen thing, at least you might be early on when you discover that. But if halfway through all the staff change, then, you know, 
you just got to like keep going, I guess. Did you ever get yeah. out of one of those or did you just make it through to the end awkwardly? Uh, that one fizzled out. And again, it wasn't actually my, pro- it wasn't my uh, direct client. So it wasn't as big of a deal, but some of the ones that I've had happen, um, there's one recently where I did a project two, two, about two and a half years ago, maintained it, and then they got some new staff in. And the people I've trained to manage the website, I mean, they have products and everything. It's completely different than the people that were doing it two years ago. And it's, it's been okay, but the new people are much more demanding. And this is one reason having some client resources and training videos are so important because I don't want to have to train new people all the time. Yeah. Um, but that, that one's going okay. It's certainly, it's not a client where I get a call or a, an email and I'm like, yes, I'm excited to do this. It's usually a sigh. It's like, ah, all right. What do they have now? For me? <laughs> the sigh. Um, I think but, the yeah. sigh is a good like trigger as well though. Like if you get an email from a client and you do a sigh, I think that's time for you to start considering the next time you need to do some work for them or the next time your maintenance is coming up, whether you need to price them out or like suggest they move on because if clients are starting to make you die every time you hear from them it's not a great sign honestly that's true i had someone who wanted a rooster when their site opened they wanted a rooster rooster? that was like my third uh client ever and thankfully i had enough sense like I, i didn't know anything about web design i was a designer but not a web designer and so when she said that, she made pies. She she sold pies at like a farmer's market and she lived Chicken on a pies, I'm assuming. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, they were like like fruit pies, and but she loved chickens and roosters and stuff. So she thought <laughs> since she lived on a farm, there should be a rooster crowing. And you know, I was new to web design, but I knew enough to think like that's not okay. Like I would not <laughs> if I opened a site and I just heard a rooster. So um I did I was able to talk her out of that. She was a, a kooky a kooky type of client, you know, real flighty, <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. The other, uh, the other one regard in regards to like client horror story, this isn't necessarily a horror story, but I've found that some clients you'll find out right away as to how much they're going to hit you up. And if they're contacting you constantly about stuff, that's usually kind of a red flag for me to set some boundaries in place. But I had one client who was just it was, I guess it was more of a nightmare kind of client. He was just, he was dominant, demanding, very difficult to work with, very particular. And I think I charged 1500 bucks for something that took me like uh, over a hundred hours at least. Uh, and it was just not a good experience at all. And then when we were transferring the site, when we went live with it, um, I told him, okay, we're going to transfer the site over to your new hosting. There might be a little bit of downtime. He was texting me while I started the transfer. And he's like, hey, site's down. Hey, just oh let me know site's God. down. Like, I freaking told you the site was going to go down. Lay, lay off. Uh, so that's, yeah, that kind of client, you just want to be wary of for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I we could talk say... about big projects. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring anyone down. <laughs> uh, I think we need a few more horror stories. Sure. Um, David, I got one. Got some horror stories. Tim's got one. Oh my on, Tim. God! I got plenty of horror stories. <laughs> oh, all right. Go first, Tim. Yeah. So I had a client that was a lower budget client. That's kind of like what a surprise. Flag. You're killing me, man. You're stealing my, you're stealing my client horror stories. Yeah. <laughs> and all he wanted was a landing page. He basically wanted two separate landing pages, and so. I told him, okay, well, for your budget, what I could do is I'll design and build one and then I'll duplicate it and we'll just, uh, you know, change the content. So there won't be two unique landing pages, but that'll allow me to fit it in your budget. And he said, okay. 
So he sent over the the content, which was basically terribly written sales copy and to maybe three very low quality cell phone images that were very old looking and just not good at all. And basically said, okay, you know, design me a landing page. And so <laughs> make it pop. Yeah. I feel like what I had to work with, I, I thought I did a pretty good job with what I had to work with. Uh, you know, it was, there wasn't a lot of content. There was a lot of like, kind of like, you know, web design elements, so to speak, you know, kind of designy and stuff like that. Uh, you know, like more like subtle design elements and stuff opposed to like the content front and center. Um, and I thought it looked pretty good. And he did not like it at all. He's like <laughs> a 15 minute build. I was like, okay, first of all, I, I spent a lot longer than 15 minutes on this thing. <laughs> and then um, he, he literally said, where's the affluence in this? Where's the Tony Robbins? And I was like, <gasps> okay, you've never mentioned that you want a website that looks anything like Tony Robbins website. And then looking at Tony Robbins website, his website uh, looks really good. Um, or the one at that, I haven't looked at it since, but it's several years ago, it looked amazing. But what made it so amazing is he had incredibly high quality videos, yeah, first great. of all, and then images and yeah. a really great logo and everything. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't get from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah, right. First of all, when I don't know what point B is <laughs> and when you don't have anything to, you know, help me get there. Um, so needless to say, it, it didn't work out. Uh, we, we parted ways and, um, yeah, that was Did he was pay it. you anything? He, he did. He paid me for the, uh, the initial, um, down payment. And so yeah. I, I kept that. I didn't, I went over that. Like I had, yeah. I had basically done the entire project, but yeah. I didn't charge him for the other half. I just said, you know what, I'm not going to charge you. We'll go our separate ways. Um, but yeah, yeah there was, I kind of gave you the light version. It, there was some significant profanity in there. I was like, yeah. <laughs> where did the, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was my worst client to date. Uh, that's horrible. I don't think I've ever had a client swear at me. So I think I'm, I'm on the lucky end of the stick on that front. David, yeah, it, was, it was over text message. I don't oh. know if I mentioned that. That was over text message. I swear, I think, was over text message before firing. I believe that. Too bad Corey's not here because I put us in some really terrible positions. With, uh, what? And, then, and then he has to go deal with them and stuff. So he's probably going <laughs> to tell you who the nightmare clients are. But um, one thing that I will say is that the lower budget clients always are the ones, it's not lower budget. Let me rephrase this. There's nothing wrong with a client with a low budget. What's wrong is, is that a client that comes to you that wants a regularly priced website and they want you to slash it in right. half or 25% and you agree to it. First of all, let me tell you, <laughs> going to be a problem client. Take it from me. Um, it's going to happen. That's been my experience. And it typically comes from people that you, you want to help, you know, unfortunately, I'm a helper. I like to help people. And, you know, part of our, um, you know, Corey and I, when we first started doing business together and stuff, we had an agreement that we were going to do a few websites a year at a lower cost 
to help people out because that was one of our ways that we wanted to give back to the community and stuff. And, 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 and not only to the community, but to our global community, wherever the client was, it didn't matter. And what ended up happening was they were nightmares to work with. It was very, very hard um, because they wanted the, the sun, the moon and the stars, and they had all these expectations and, and it just got to be a pain in the butt and stuff. And we had several, um, that, that we worked on and stuff that just was, it was just not fun and stuff. And, and we just got away from it. And fortunately we got to the point where, you know, we, we could be very, very choosy and stuff. So we got to the point where we could spot these people a mile away, these types of clients. So what I started doing, here's the really bad news. When you start shooting a price up, you know, a way high price and the clients that you don't want to work with, Okay. <laughs> Where do I sign? So the good news is that you're going to be compensated very, very well. Uh, you're still going to have to work with the pain in the ass. Those ones you 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 hear the sigh and you go, money. Yeah. <laughs> money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you have to figure out what that price is that would be worth it to have worth to the sigh with that yeah. person. Yep. Yeah. Right. The highest I've right. gotten where they've said yes. Is I five times it because I did not want. Wow. Bill said. <laughs> wow. So, that's the uh, pain in the that's the pain in the ass line item that you put. Yeah, in the that's the <laughs> yeah. right. You know, yeah. your personality is an extra one k. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's certain taxes. There's the pain in the ass tax. There's the too many cooks in the kitchen tax. You know that there's just going to be way too many people involved. And, you know, that's going to cost you. Oh, you know. yeah. That was one of my not so fun projects when it was uh, the husband hired me. I had not known about the wife coming in or anything. We got, you know, a pretty good way through getting uh, the onboarding stuff going. And I had started on it. And then I started getting emails from his wife and I'm like, why is she emailing? So that, that, was a, Who are you? that was not cool. And they both wanted different things. It turned out yeah. that I learned. That yeah, I, I, changed I my actually added that. that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I have that in my initial questionnaire now to where they tell me how many people are going to be involved in the project because I want to know. I tell them one. I don't even give them an option. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I have that in my contract. One, one point of contact only. Yeah, but like, see, that's, that's that's a nice idea, right? But like one of my horror clients. Oh, can I? Sorry, yes, I muted myself. I pressed pause by accident. Um, one of my horror clients was where I had one point of contact and I met with him and it was a fantastic meeting. And then I went and did the design and talked it through with him and it was all really positive. And then all of a sudden, I was getting emails from him saying. Or I'm just really not happy with it. I'm just really not, you know, like it's not popping. It's not blah, 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 blah. And then when I talked to him, I suddenly got the vibe. He's been talking to his wife and his wife doesn't yeah. like it. But I'm still talking to him. Yeah. And the problem is every time I then would talk to him on the phone, we would get back to this really good place where I'd be like, well, I just, from a professional point of view, I think we need to do these things. And he'd be totally on board. And then like a few days he later, he couldn't stand up to his wife. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And so like, yeah. I still only had the one point of contact, but that doesn't mean that there's not all these other voices. Yeah. Yeah. They'll yeah. ask the mailman what the hell they think about your website before they, they won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Mailman tax. We, we do have a question from Mike Devitt. He wants to know, do we ever train 
our clients as well. And I know that beyond basic WordPress training, how to, how to create a post, how to create a page, we don't really get deeply into that. At least we don't. And you all can answer for yourselves. Uh, we do have a premium membership. One of the pro, I think it's the pro membership for WP 101, very inexpensive, whole suite of libraries. Sean does a fantastic job with that, that you can put right into the dashboard or the client site and stuff. And they can, they can watch how to do posts, how to do all of the common things with WordPress and stuff. Now, if it's Divi specific, man, there's a business idea right there. Someone's done it. Yeah. Okay, actually, I, I had a plugin. This was several years ago after I did Divi dashboard welcome. It was going to be like Divi uh, training videos or whatever and all like integrated into the back end. And then oh, somebody the, made that, right? Uh, someone made one that was separated uh, on a separate site. Mine was going to be integrated in, into the back end, which Divi has that now, but this was several years ago. But I ended up not doing it because I'm like the thought of having to maintain those videos. Right. Or like update. Divi was updating every week. This was when, you know, it was still a lot less frequent. But I'm like, man, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't commit yeah to that. that has, for me, it's been, I mean, I'm big on training all my clients and empowering them. And, and this kind of leads into some, some, terror, terror stories. But, um, the thing that's helped me is I have my client resources page because the problem with, I feel like the problem with WP one one and some of these other basic tutorials is that it doesn't look like the site that I built for my yeah. clients. So they get in there, they see Divi, they see all these different tools and they're like, well, that doesn't really look the same. Um, yeah. so what I do is I just have basic stuff for Divi and the main tools that we use on every site. And then generally what I do is if there's anything particular to the site, I do tutorial videos for those that I make sure are covered in the proposal. So I, I make sure that's a line item. So I know I'm going to be charging essentially for my tutorials. And then I used uh, this handy little plugin by Mr. Tim Streifler called Divi dashboard. Welcome so put all those videos in there and in, the, in the back end of the site, that way they can view those. Now, I say that to say it's gone pretty well. I mean, I think I'm, I've been really pleased with how that's gone for training on my clients, but the same thing that happened with those other clients with people getting, uh, having a staff turnover the same thing can happen with training clients. And this is really, really common um, I, I, in all kinds of industries, but I have several clients who are managing sites now that I've built that were the different people than I started working with years ago. Um, now, luckily, if the training is all there and they get trained well on there and it can go well, but it has led to like somebody new is starting and then, oh, like perfect example, this gal that I've been uh, training for the past year and a half or so on a website, she's been doing really good. Um, she's been a great client to work with. Well, she's going on maternity leave and she has somebody new coming in to take over the website. So I'm like, oh man, if they, I have no idea what this person is like. Is it going to be a nightmare? We're going to find out. Um, now they're on our maintenance plan. So hopefully we'll be able to take care of a lot of edits for moving forward. But, but yeah, same, same idea with staff turnover can be a big problem with training clients too. That can certainly lead to a nightmare. I do yeah, do I... training. <clears throat> Sorry. You go ahead. I, I do training videos for my clients as well. I'll usually do about five because there's usually needed about five for each client. Cause I like to specialize them. So they see exactly what their thing looks like. Um, but what I find interesting is that some clients don't look at my videos, which really annoys me, <laughs> especially when I spend time on them. And especially when sometimes I have to record it two or three times because I stuff up or I stop recording or I whatever. And so that really frustrates me. Um, or when I have made it and then they come and ask me the questions that are referred to in the video. And then I have to go back and say, as you will see in this video that I recorded for you, a month ago, this is how you do 
talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that really frustrates me, but in some ways, maybe that's just not their style. Like some of my clients find watching videos really tricky. One of my clients, he's kind of older. I've just started working with him. I told him I do training videos and he said, could you do it as a PDF for me, please? So I'm going to do him a PDF instead of a video, which is going to take me more time, but for him, that's going to be more useful. Um, the other thing yeah. that I've had trouble with clients, even though I've trained them, I've got a couple of clients who've deleted whole pages somehow um and or like they've deleted like three quarters of the content from a page and they don't know how they did it and they got very confused and yep luckily I have backups and I can always say to them it's fine don't worry about it we can just go back to yesterday's version (laughs) these people don't have like shops on it it's not a big deal we can just go back to yesterday's version (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. In terms of training, what I found helpful is I, I don't do any uh, specific videos ahead of time, but what I do is I get on a video call, a screen sharing call. And then I, I you know, one hour long is what I commit to, you know, it inevitably goes over. Uh, and then I walk them through their site and show them, you know, what they're going to be doing. So if it's e-commerce, you know, how to add a product, how to edit a product, you know, going through that stuff. If it's, you know, they're just going to be doing blog posts, showing them how to do that specifically, or, you know, editing some content within the Divi Builder if they get a new team member. And then I record the call and then give it to them. So they can ask questions in real time. And it's not, they don't feel like they're watching a tutorial necessarily. They feel like they're, you know, part of it. Um, And then they they have access to that so they can watch later. Um, And... Obviously, like it's not a perfect system, but I found that that works pretty well. I trained a few people, realized how much I did not like it. And then I, just, <laughs> I stopped taking clients who were going to want to edit their own stuff. Yeah. Um, or if they already knew how to use WordPress, because most of my blogging clients, they don't use the Divi Builder. I think one does. Um, but they already came in like it was usually like a redesign. But so they've been using WordPress. So that's fine. But other than that, um I just kind of stopped working with the noobs because it, it was taking up too much of my time trying to teach them. And I'm just not yeah. that patient of a person. And that's where some of these nightmare experiences can stem from is if you start a project and originally the client says, we just want a five page brochure style website and we might have some blog posts. Oh, that sounds super simple. And then after the site's live and they say, oh, we want to have somebody who's actually going to post the blog post and edit the site. Then you get into training and then they find out that they don't know anything about WordPress or web design or, or anything. And they're not very good with their computer. So that can be, yeah, it can be a big time nightmare. I know years ago, I, uh, oh my gosh, I was working. It was, I can, I can throw them under the bus. It was, this was like years ago, my mom's Corvette club, one of the website. And <laughs> This guy, so I get a whole spiel. I think I did it for like 500 bucks or something. And and uh, I was going to train them on how to use the site. And at the end of the meeting, we're sitting there. And one lady was pretty savvy. She did really good to her credit. But this guy, he wanted to update the website. And we go through everything. And he looks at me dead in the, like straight in the face and goes, how do I get my pictures from my phone to my computer? And I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. This, yeah, this like, is, I didn't this, realize. You should that. not be near the website um so i kind of waited till after that and i told her like you know you're doing really good you should really be the one to man up the website because this guy is just not gonna he's not gonna get it Uh, so yeah those yeah look for those red flags for sure because that can save you a lot of nightmare experiences (laughs) so clubs can be tricky as well like um because you've got so many people involved i think Mm -hmm. i I don't know if you 
guys have done, if you've done other clubs other than just that yep. one, but I, I've done a club and I gave them what I felt like was a really big budget at the time. And for me, it was one of the biggest budgets I'd ever given a client. And I exceeded those hours like nobody's business. Like I, I think I quoted a hundred hours and I ended up doing at least 150 on that job. Like, because there were three people that I was relating to because they wanted all sorts of different things. And then because I made errors of judgment where I did all these changes thinking I fully understood exactly what they were asking me to change. I spent probably 10 hours worth of changes only to discover that they actually wanted something completely different. And so I couldn't Mm. charge them for that time. And it was completely my fault. I learned so many lessons on that job just because of working with not a business like yeah that's a good point that it's not their core thing like often it's a hobby often they could be retired so they might be a little bit older they're not really up with what's current with websites and it can be hard and they want to meet in person all the time it (laughs) seems like boards or like non-profit groups can be really tricky i had one i did last year where the same kind of like that sarah like I was working with one contact. It was great. And then I got the website ready for preview, sent it over. And then he copied like eight other people on it. And then they all gave their <laughs> input separately at all times during the day and during the week. And it just turned into a nightmare because I had no idea that I was going to be appeasing eight different people's yeah. design ideas. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's what I think we're, we're, we're pushing close up to an hour. I think, I think uh, what I haven't done any good clients yet. I know we didn't. Here's what to me I next week. Say. I'm going to give you a secret tip on how to get rid of these pain in the butt clients. Go on over to a girl in her Mac dot design. <laughs> Leslie has perfected this art. She has it right on her website. Don't hire me. I don't want your money. I do work. not say that. Yeah. <laughs> You, you better be an expert WordPress person <laughs> and, and hire me because I don't want to train you. Um, I'm, joking. I'm joking, of course. But Leslie, I do want to say, does a really, really good job because she has learned what works really well for her and what yeah. doesn't, which is most important probably when you're talking about this kind of stuff. Figure out what doesn't work well with you and then don't do it stand your ground and stuff. Uh, she has some, you know, very, I mean, I'm joking when I say those <laughs> things, but some of those things she has. X, no, I, I, I think you're talking about my FAQ and it's not up anymore, but I had a section on my FAQ where I was very, um, if this describes you, we're not going to work well together. And yeah. it weeded a lot of people out. It worked. I also got a lot of emails from other web designers like, oh my God, I want to put something like that on my page. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but here's my point. It didn't, I don't think it slowed her down from getting clients, even though she was very upfront and open with what her policies were, which yeah. were, this is who I don't want to work with. If <laughs> you don't contact me, but it didn't slow people down from contacting her, you know, and that's kind of the, the point I was really trying to make is that, um, there's lots of people in the world and stuff, and there's lots of people that will fit really well with you. And, you know, you just got to, you, you, you got to 
So David, you're saying free yourself up to work with the good clients as opposed to balancing 10 bad clients and then being drained by the time you get to work with that one client. It it took me a long time to be able to do that, to get to the point. I'm not saying it's easy because it's not easy. When you've got to keep the lights on and you've got a family to feed and you've got things that you need to do, you're going to have to do what you need to do. You know, and that that might be working with crappy clients sometimes, but it, eventually there's going to become a point where your business is going to grow to a point where you won't have to. Yeah. yeah. The point is, don't keep doing that. Everybody yeah. kind of does that in the beginning, yeah. but at some point you need to be yeah. assertive and, you know. No. And the good news is, is that once you realize that you don't have to work with those types of clients and stuff, those really good clients the, the ones that pay more money and those are the clients that you really want, they're the easiest ones to work with. And it's not because they've got money to burn. It's because they value what it is that you're doing. They understand the value that you bring to their business and stuff. So those are the good ones that we didn't get to talk about, but there are good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, who wants to do some parting thoughts? Sure. Sounds good. Josh, since this was your topic, go. Well, I think my parting thought is going to be kind of directed on how to avoid client nightmare experiences. Inevitably, it's going to happen. I mean, you're going to have good experiences and bad experiences, and you're going to have good times and bad times in any industry, particularly for web design. Uh, my, my biggest thing in order to avoid nightmare experiences is just to protect yourself. And I think one of the most practical ways you can do that is kind of what I hit on earlier, which is make sure you just lay out your deliverables for projects. That's one of the biggest things that has helped me in my business is I lay out, here's what's involved. I try not to overwhelm the client, but I let them know like what's going to be done and uh, what, you know, client training, that kind of thing. Make sure you cover all your, your bases before you send that proposal out because projects can grow legs, scope creep can happen very easily. And as long as the deliverables are there contractually, it's just good practice. That way you can say, you know, like if it's something simple, sure, they can add it on. But if, they're, if they want a whole other website built on to this current website, it's out of scope. It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be more. So yeah, just protect yourself. Deliverables is one of the most practical things that's helped me for sure. Great points, Josh. How about one of the ladies? Okay. I'll go. Oh, oh go ahead. <laughs> you go, Sarah. Um, I was just going to say, I think... It's unrealistic to think you're not going to have horrible clients, particularly in the beginning, and it's okay. Um, my biggest advice would be stay in contact really regularly. So if you're going to make changes, like the biggest times where I've ended up spending too much time on a job and their budget hasn't been really high has been my fault for not staying in contact sooner. So it's meant I've done something and misunderstood what they were looking for um, or yeah, just in general, if you stay in contact more often, you'll probably spend less time on, you know, the changes that you're making. And so then you can move forward faster. But it's unrealistic to expect that you're not going to have crappy clients in the beginning. And I would say it took me probably three years until I was able to start choosing to weed out clients as they came to me. Um, So just hang in there and you know, don't give up in that first part because you do have to take on whatever comes your way in the beginning. And I think it's unrealistic for people just to say, you just say no to them because in the beginning you can't. Um, That's just part of starting a business. Um, Hold on, Leslie. It's Murphy's dad's turn. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's cool. gone he left me he's normally right there sitting on his chair um, my wife got home and he's like forget you forget you um except for i'm usually the one that feeds him so uh yeah i mean i don't really have a whole lot to add that hasn't been said by by josh or, or sarah and their final thoughts um i i think it really comes down to uh clear expectations and that's something that um, there's a learning curve to figuring out what those expectations are that you need to, to set with the client ahead of time. Um, you know, you can listen to all the Divi chat episodes and all the, you know, YouTube videos about this kind of stuff. But I think, uh, at least for me, my experience, I had to actually go through it to, to kind of learn some of these things and it helps to kind of be prepared and like, you know, have some of these things, uh, figured out that, you know, may happen so that you can kind of feel more prepared, but going through them is, is definitely the way to learn. So at least that's the way I learn. I, I, I tend to have to learn things the hard way, but maybe that's just me. Can I go now? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I just, I don't want to forget it. Um, Something that I I had to learn, I guess, sort of the hard way um, is not to respond to emails, right? Like if you're, if you're in uh, upset with the client, don't, yeah. that's not the time to email back. Um, there were a, a few times where I wish I would have waited and just cooled off, maybe wait till that night or the next day. Um, yeah. Cause I definitely have come off unprofessional because I let my emotions get in the way. Um, so I will say, um, if you're finding yourself like, like, you know, you, you're just, you're real tense with this client, um, give extra room than you normally would extra time before interacting and reacting. It goes a long way. <laughs> time goes a long way. Yes. That's actually very good advice. Um, yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't react, respond. Um, I don't really think I have anything to add. Um, you're probably gonna always have pain in the ass clients at some point or another. Uh, the good news is, is that as you, the longer you do web design, the better you're going to get at dealing with it. The really great news is, is the longer you do web design, the better you're going to get at spotting it from a mile away and, mm -hmm. and running as fast as you can <laughs> in the other damn direction. Into the arms of a good client. <laughs> Into the arms of the good client. Whoa, what kind of clients do you have? <laughs> you know, I actually have a couple clients. I swear, they think I'm like just the best thing ever. Like I do some minor things. They're like, oh my God, you're just amazing. Like I'm really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we need more clients like that. So We do. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, I, I hope this topic helped somebody. I'm sure that it did, you know, pain in the butt clients and how to deal with them. And, and if nothing else, knowing that you're not alone, you're not alone. Yeah. Even, I, even us deal with really bad clients and stuff. I think that's a better title, pain in the butt clients and how to deal with them. That's kind of what we covered. <laughs> on hey, the good news is, is that I did not title this episode yet because Perfect. I didn't even know what the title was. Remember, I was <laughs> started late. So Remember that title. Type it down, Josh. We're going to use it. For <laughs> clients and how to deal with them on it. Hey, you know, you I, that was my divination topic, and I still haven't watched that thing. But yeah, I, I did it. That my chat familiar. with Nathan yeah. was on on problem clients. He named that, by the way. Wasn't that like twenty years ago or something? Like yeah, 10, 10 yeah. So yeah. funny that you still haven't watched it. No, <laughs> I think I started mine. I was like, ah. I don't want to yeah. <laughs> I I mess up. Don't watch mine as soon as it came out. I don't know. David watches watch his once a week. <laughs> right. And then, and then I did like this. 
<laughs> that's what I don't want to do. I don't want to regret stuff. I know I wish I would have said that. You know, that's why I don't want to watch yeah, That was my very first online interview. Me too. Oh Me my too. God, it was, it was, I felt like it was horrible, but you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I've gotten better, hopefully. So. You've gotten oodles better. You're it, it helps when you have a daily podcast. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Practice, <laughs> practice, people. Just practice. Well, it's great being back. It's good seeing everybody. And I hope everybody out there with web gets lots of great web design clients this week and not terrible ones. And we'll see you all next week. Peace out. Bye. See you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.